0: Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Use Bosch Camera's onboard intelligent video analytics to quickly locate important recorded incidents or events. Bosch's forensic search saves you time and money by searching through hours or days of video within minutes to find and collect video evidence. Learn more about intelligent video analytics from Bosch in zones one through four of LPRC's zones of influence by visiting Bosch online at BoschSecurity.com.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science Podcast. This is the latest episode in our weekly series update. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about or start off as uh, we have during this almost one year of being in the uh, global pandemic with the SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus and, um, and the COVID-19 disease that results. Um, we see continued coverage and uh, research um, and analyses around variants. And again, it's our understanding that, of course, viruses are going to do what they do. And in order to be more transmissible, in order to survive, in order to replicate even, um, they're going to have errors and they're going to some are to their benefit, some to ours, and some are just benign. Um, so look, look for more and more variants. Uh, many researchers are saying that the variants coming uh, with COVID-19, while completely um, understood, are really not as intense or numerous as other viruses tend to be like uh, influenza. Um, so there's a possibility of being more uh, them being more uh, stable, and again, because some of the um, vaccines and therapies, either out or under uh, development, are designed to affect multiple points on the spike protein itself. um, In in other words, the immune system uh, being uh, generated either naturally or through a virus, excuse me, a vaccine or a therapy. that they will, those that are designed to affect that spike protein, they're affecting multiple parts. So even with some of the variation going on or adaptation on that spike protein um, through the replication errors and so forth, um, they're still seem to be effective, even though we know that one or two of those, particularly South Africa and possibly Brazil, um, the vaccines aren't quite as effective, but still the research seem to be saying, that they are still reducing not as much low a or low-symptomatic disease, but serious or even fatal disease. They seem to be very robust, so more time will tell here. Um, We know, too, that there are um, some challenges with getting the vaccine into arms, and, and a few things that are happening, one that I'm reading a lot about, and that's that the components of vaccines are difficult to come by, and some are very unique or new technology uh, not in mass production yet. And so it's not just the vaccines, but the components of the vaccines uh, that are uh, all that's having to gin up and be transported around uh, the country and around the world. And then the others is the tours that there are shortages there, trained, skilled, and available people um, in different areas from rural to inner city to everybody in between uh, to actually administer the vaccine. So getting the amount of vaccine getting the vaccine to those distribution sites, and then finally have enough people, trained, skilled people to administer the vaccine and observe those that have been vaccinated for at least 15 minutes to an hour, depending on the location, evidently. Um, Those are are being overcome. The initial retail pharmacy uh, rollout continues to be underway and grow. Evidently, this was all planned out last year by the prior uh, administration or team, but um, is now, in full force, we know that in the state of Florida Publix was already in the loop. Uh, the governor there had enlisted uh, enlisted them in the initial rollout uh, for the elderly or those sixty-five and older, and, and so forth. So, um, but it seems to be smooth in most places, rocky and others. Again, part of it is having enough people to administer the places to administer, and then we know the challenges of the weather have been there with floods and storms and forest fires. But of course, we all know the massive, massive cold front that moved in with such devastation into the Midwest and West, especially uh, Texas being one of the most severely hit. Um, Good news again, Israel, uh, uh, that the Israelis uh, uh, and their rollout now well over a third heading into a half of the citizens have been vaccinated uh, the Palestinian administration evidently is now starting to vaccinate uh, their their citizens as well. But in the Israeli population that we're having access or seeing data coming out, there are a couple of really powerful uh, indications coming out. One, of course, is the strong protection after the first dose of the Pfizer um, uh, vaccine. That seems to be confer or infer. Uh, quite a bit, confer quite a bit of immunity, uh, very robust immune response just after one dose and even within a couple of weeks. Um, So very encouraging. And they're seeing too, it looks like right now the data are showing a 90% reduction in transmission. So that was something that was being hoped for that not just that you would protect those, the vaccines again are primarily and overwhelmingly designed to just protect us from serious disease or even symptomatic disease. You know where it's a clinical significance They're observed symptoms by a physician or healthcare care practitioner um, and so they're seeing a, additional to that a big reduction in the transmission or new infections uh, so it may seem to have a lot of effectiveness there in the meantime you know fauci and others here in the united states are still advising those even after the second dose and even two or three weeks after the second dose to still just be mindful consider wearing a mask and distancing in case there's still some viral particles in their um, system that might be expelled onto vulnerable people. Um, Also though, is reporting uh, native infections, those that are administered, those that have had the infection through uh, native exposure, in other words, not through vaccination, um, the single dose, the first dose seems to be even more robust and effective. The immune response seems to, most people seem to be launching as a result of that first dose. They're not saying yet. Yeah, well, you'll only need one dose if you've already had COVID nineteen, but they are saying that that first dose seems to be very, very effective, very fast. Um, so more to come on as they research that. Um, the biology is what they're working on through that. Um, <clears throat> the uh, also other encouraging news: Pfizer, through a lot of research, is uh, now uh, my understanding getting ready to apply to the FDA for clearance on transport and storage. Um, of their vaccine, which we all know um, is right now for stability of the, of the uh, vaccine itself uh, needing to be stored and transferred at 100, minus 112 degrees Fahrenheit to minus 76 degrees Fahrenheit. But their, their data are showing that uh, minus 13 degrees all the way up to, and all the way up to, but five degrees Fahrenheit might be sufficient to maintain uh, adequate stability of, of the vaccine's If that ends up being the case, you can imagine that's going to allow more and more places to administer the Pfizer vaccine that don't have these um, high-speed freezer facilities and so forth, the technology to do so. Um, The UK, excuse me, and this is triangulating some of the data coming out of Israel, for example, in the real-world experiment called vaccinations, um, UK showing with the Pfizer uh, vaccine there that they, they believe they're reducing infection. 85% 85% within the first uh, 15 to 28 days, in other words, two to four weeks, they're seeing dramatic um, reduction in infection, uh, similar to what Israel's seeing with just the first dose. So again, nobody's advocating uh, not having the first dose, but delaying the, the second dose uh, or uh, may not be detrimental or maybe even detrimental at all. In fact, there are some data out there evidently showing that uh, delaying the second dose administration might uh, be even better and provide even more robust um, and longer term or more durable immunity by us. Um, and some of you may have seen some of the reporting on those that were children that got the um, the influenza back in 1918, the flu virus that was uh, created a global and very, very deadly p- pandemic in the late 1900s, uh, early, excuse me, early 1900s that even uh, 70 years later, still seem to have robust T cell memory. In other words, they were ready to go if they got exposed to that similar virus. So the, it's just a lesson learned to think about the durability, particularly of T cell response and memory, uh, as well as to the antibodies um, that come from B cells and so forth. So <clears throat> the, um, I, I think there's what we're looking at now is worldwide, um, probably around 200, 15 or so million doses administered, probably, uh, you know, we're heading into the quarter billion people that have been at least administered the first dose um, already. And again, bear in mind, we're not less than a year from when the virus was reported have widespread, starting to become widespread, uh, which is just absolutely amazing. Um, The United States, probably over sixty. closing in on 70 million doses administered at this point. um, Probably well over 20 million Americans have been vaccinated with both doses. um, And that's climbing constantly. Um, As far as again, in the vaccine mill, uh, 37 other vaccines in phase one, uh, 28 additional vaccines in phase two, and 20 more vaccines being trialed in phase three large scale trials. And again, we've got six in emergency use authorization, two in the United States, the Moderna and the Pfizer. Um, And then we've got uh, four that are approved uh, elsewhere in the world. Switching over here to uh, a little bit of LPRC news, um, we're having our night uh, meeting or conference today um, across LPRC, and this is our normal winter planning meeting that we have with the LPRC Board of Advisors, the BOA, as they're affectionately referred to. We've got an amazing group of leaders in the Board of Advisors. Tony, who is on this call today, uh, and Tom me, and as well, serve on that Board of Advisors as, as do uh, 25 over 25 other uh, senior leaders. And uh, we've got a, a really nice agenda laid out. There's been a lot of rehearsal. We had a vice chair and chair call yesterday to further discuss Ignite. And um, tomorrow, we're having our strategy at Ignite. Uh, conference, I'm sorry. On on, uh, yes, tomorrow. It's to kind of get in confusing. Today is here. Um, Johnny V, John Voitella, who you all that listen to this podcast regularly heard him last week talking a little bit about. We're going to be mentioning and going through and heavily discussing with a lot of number ones and number twos uh, pyramid heads in our in our industry in the LPAP field around erosion of consequence. Again, we've talked about police staffing shortages, police reluctance due to some of the exposure um, with uh, uh, hand-borne cameras. Um, There's reluctance by some prosecutors. There's been some statutory limitation on prosecution or even bail reform, as it's called, um, and a a myriad other issues going on so that there may be fewer consequences for those that victimize others. That could be why we're hearing uh, constantly now anecdotal reports of increased theft fraud, and violence across in the retail environment, across chains, um, and it's pretty broadly reported. Um, we're going to be talking about acute versus chronic or persistent issues, and everybody's been set up for a long time to, to work on chronic issues, employee deviance uh, or dishonesty, um, to work on inventory loss, you know, shrinkage included, uh, or other asset loss, but the idea of these acute issues where we've got snowstorms, Earthquakes, floods—you know, in other words, natural disasters and severe or dangerous weather. Um, in addition to acute issues like um, looting, burning, um, or even intimidation of customers or employees, and um, marking their, their their stores and things like that, as well as the acute situation created by the global pandemic um, and all of its after and side effects. So, um, we're going to be talking about how are you, how are we budgeting for that. How do you work with senior leadership and partners in the business on both acute and chronic, particularly because acute issues seem to be more chronic and persistent than ever? So a big, hot topic. Also, collective action. How do we work more closely and robustly together in our research collectively um, as an industry, as retailers working with each other with powerful solution partners? How do we uh, work with RELA, NRF, FMI, and other state and national level uh, lobbying groups to uh, provide evidence-informed debates and arguments so that we can curtail some of the erosion of consequence? And how do we work together to protect not only ourselves, but each other uh, on city blocks in strip centers and in malls against both uh, acute and chronic issues? So a lot of good things going on. Uh, Diego Rodriguez is our producer here at Crime Science now, and uh, Diego is working on and has rolled out uh, some learning modules, those will be continuing. Um, We've also, again, our seven working groups at the LPRC continue good work. Um, Please, we encourage you, if you're a member of the LPRC, to get involved in one or more working groups that make sense to you, whether it's product protection or violent crime or retail fraud or uh, supply chain protection, um, organized retail crime. Uh, There, you know, there are many out of our seven or that, uh, that are just highly productive, all of them are productive, but they're all, I think, offer a great uh, experience and are working on some great uh, research and uh, provide every year some good outcomes. Plus three of them have an annual summit that I think you'd find very useful. The supply chain protection, violent crime working groups um, and the product protection all have summits in addition to our LPRC impact summit. Uh, The 2021 research agenda is going to be released to the board of advisors today at Ignite. Um, That will further be bolstered by um, recommendations by the board of advisors today. So that will be coming out. We've got a nice graphic design as we fill in the blanks there. But there's already, um, I think, 15 research projects that have already been started in January and February. Operation Next Level, finally, uh, the Lighthouse Consulting Team, LHC Team um, 5, are working long and hard and strong and smart to uh, connect with you all out there. I think they're talking with about 300 prospective LPRC members, over 20 plus have already committed or already joining as we speak. Um, so it's sort of a membership drive. Look for David Lund, the VP at Dick Sporting Goods and several other key leaders are putting out video clips in support of Operation Next Level. Uh, join the LPRC research and results community. We love it. We're growing and going, and we want to work together. We want to work smart. Um, We want to leverage uh, the scientific method uh, wherever we can. So with no further ado, I'm going to go over to uh, Tony D'Onofrio. And Tony, please enlighten
2: us. Thank you very much, Reed. So lots of good data coming out this week that I I will share this morning. Let me start with some really good news from the U.S. Census Bureau on uh, January retail sales, which were up. Uh, 5.3 percent. It was a surprise uh, in terms of how high they were, but uh, this is what they were by category. So in terms of by category, non-store, retail, or online was up 22 percent. Sporting goods, hobby, and books were up 22 percent. Building materials and gardening were up 14 percent. Grocery were up 11, and motor vehicles and parts and dealers were up 10. So it looks like in Germany we're still buying online a lot, We were exercising and reading books. We were building stuff. We were eating, of course, and we were buying cars. So it was a good month for retail. The bottom three, the strugglers continue to be what you would think about in a pandemic. Food services and drinking places were down 16%. Clothing and accessories were down 11%. And the surprise to me was electronics and appliances, which were down 4% for the month, but overall, a solid January, we're well above the pandemic lows in terms of retail and we recover uh, back and then some, which is good news for the industry. Let me build next on uh, some of the things that we uh, talked about in terms of the state of the vaccination and uh, the pandemic. So this is the data from Statista, from Statista on COVID vaccination doses administered per 100 people as of february 13 2021 so the world is being led by israel which has already vaccinated 72.58 out of 100 people in israel that's an amazing statistics number two country in the world is united arab uh, emirates 50.61 vaccinations per 100 people and then uk actually again coming up very quickly to number 3 at 22.23 USA is at 15.14 per 100 vaccination. So those were some of the key countries driving. So we are making progress as we said earlier in terms of getting people vaccinated around the world. Let me switch to some other data that I found in the industry this week. Uh, Brand Finance issued their latest uh, uh, most valuable brands in apparel in 2021 and here are the top 10 most valuable apparel brands of 2021. Number one is Nike, number two is Gucci, number three is Adidas, four is Louis Vuitton, five is Cartier, six is Zara, seven is h H&M. eight is Chanel, nine is Uniqlo, and 10 is Hermes. Hermes, I always get the French ones wrong, but um, really a good representation from around the world, from the U.S. to Germany, Uh, to Italy, to Spain, so really good, and even Japan having representation in the top 10. So good global brands represented in the top 10. Uh, RIS News this uh, past week, and Forbes, also published the top 10 largest American retailers that uh, their service found were the best places to work for. And some of these were surprising, but not surprising actually, if you think about their performance. Number one was Costco, number two was Trader Joe, number three was Bass Pro Shop, number four was eBay, number five was Columbia Sportswear, six Puma, seven Ikea, eight Sephora, nine Aldi and 10 Hobby Lobby. So interesting, Who are where are the best retail places to work for for 2021? And then also very interesting to me is the amount of investment that's going into innovation and digitally disrupting. If you really wanted an indicator of this, all you had to do was listen to the earnings call from Walmart, which announced um, as part of their Q4 results that they will invest an amazing $14 billion in the next year with focus on supply chain automation, customer facing facing initiatives, and technology. So it tells you the amount of money that's being spent, and that's about equivalent. Actually, uh, Amazon is spending more than that—15 uh, billion plus—on uh, innovation. Tells you the amount of technology that is going into retail. And again, I bring that up because LP is a for loss prevention point of view is one of the perfect place to test it and figure out which how the technology deliver results. Walmart, as part of uh, their Q4, also announced very strong results their comp sales for Q4 2021 grew 8.6% and their USA e-commerce sales grew an amazing 69%. So it gives you again, the digital disruption and transformation. And again, one of the reasons Walmart continues to do well is that they were aggressively investing in digital transformation ahead of the pandemic. Uh, Let me now switch to the latest global Uh, GDP forecast from uh, PwC and uh, the unfortunate thing about these forks they're actually being lowered so the world in 2021 was initially forecast to grow 5% in gross domestic products now forecast to grow from 4.2% USA was forecast to grow 4% it's now been revised down to 3.2% the European Union was forecast to grow 5.1, it's been uh, lower to 3.6%. But the, there is a star in all this, and the star is China. China is forecast to grow an amazing, again, 8% growth in gross domestic products. So China leads the world. And then finally, let me uh, uh, switch to a topic that I know to this audience they, they care about in terms of security and lost revenge and, this is the latest from DND on their 2020 summary retail report. So, what was interesting to me is that even during the pandemic and all the lockdowns, retail robbery remarkably remained stable after a 2016 high. For 2020, total retail robbery were 5,563 versus 5,576 in 2019. Not much of a change. The top three places uh, by store type that are being robbed are C-stores at 25%, Jewelry at 14%, and Restaurants at 11%. 40% of the time a gun was used, and, and 35% was on alarm. The highest times for robberies during the week, again, it was uh, interesting to me. Sunday, uh, we're robbing, we're not going to church. Monday, 17%, and, uh, and Tuesday, 15%. 49% of the incidents happened in the middle of the night between 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. The highest uh, robbing states were California with 528 robberies, Texas, 424 in New York with 347. The top three cities with the highest robberies in 2020 were Chicago, San Antonio, and New York. And the t- compared to 2019 where the top three, three cities were Houston, San Antonio and Las Vegas. So only San Antonio made it to both uh, lists in both 2020 and 2019. So that's a little bit data run around the world in terms of what's happening in both the economy, retail, and also uh, in general, COVID. With that, I'm gonna turn it over to Reed.
1: Thanks so much, Tony, um, for so much good information. Um, I did want to build, too, on what Tony was briefing us on from the uh, d research on violence, and it's really a great service, and I know at the LPRC we're appreciative of all the scanning that's going on by the d team d uh, team regarding crime news and specifically violent crime news uh, in the media uh, and then compiling that information. It's giving us some, uh uh, an unfortunate but powerful look at what's going on across the United States in particular, but also uh, there's a lot going on in Canada, they report, and then even uh, internationally beyond Canada. Um, also, that the LPRC, again, we had planned in 2020, our, well, let me see, it would have been our fifth uh, violent crime summit to be hosted in Houston, Texas, obviously uh, delayed and postponed because of the global pandemic. Uh, But again, in 2021, if it's at all possible, we're going to be back in Houston, um, bringing everybody together with a focus on violent crime, uh, clearly armed robbery, uh, but also on burglary this time, um, as well as active shooter and then the looting, rioting, and finally parking lot intimidation, intimidation of customers. So look forward to that. If you're, again, a member of the LPRC, get involved in that violent crime uh, working group or have somebody on your team um, and they can help us plan and input that. And the summit, if we can't have it in Houston physically, then we're going to have it virtually. Um, So again, thank you to the whole team. Thank you, Diego. Uh, On the production side, um, please check in LPResearch.org, LPResearch.org. Uh, And that's where you can get all the latest on LPRC, what we're up to. Um, And again, join our community if you're not a member Um, and the community is growing. Even during this podcast, I just uh, got notice of yet another retailer that's committed and coming on board as a member. So um, signing off from Gainesville, Florida, please stay safe out there um, and have a safe one. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Law Prevention Research Council.